So welcome to Guerrilla Discipleship. My name's Kevin Baker. I get to be the host of this time, and uh, we have got some amazing people. Last week, I think it was last week, uh, that you got a chance to hear from uh, half of this duo. Uh, Jenny was uh, talking about prayer with me last week, but this week we get to have both Richard and Jenny, and uh, I've already given Richard uh, permission to correct anything that Jenny said, and Jenny can be correcting anything that Richard said. Um, Richard is a, I got to remember this now, I want to say physics. Is it physics uh, teacher? Uh, AP chemistry and chemistry. chemistry. Almost though. I, I do right. teach physics also though. Yeah. All right. So he's, uh, he teaches chemistry. He's a smart guy. That's what I'm trying to say. He's a very smart guy, teaches uh, uh, AP at the, one of the high schools here in our county. In addition to that, he's one of our worship leaders. In addition to that, he has all kinds of other ministry things that he does. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but you're going to see in just a few minutes what an amazing guy this guy is. And these people together uh, are an amazing couple. So Richard, we were talking last time about prayer. That's what I want to talk about again. Um, and we're talking about this in the context of how do we raise the, the sale of prayer in our life? How do we get more prayer? Uh, one of the things that I've been saying out of the disciple-making training is that we need to um, multiply extraordinary prayer. We talked a little bit about that in terms of, of just expanding beyond what we've been doing, to really expand praying in our own lives personally, in our lives corporately as a church. So that's kind of the context that we're in. And uh, by the way, these folks also lead, do a lot of leading of prayer in our church and for other people, and, and they have kind of a prayer ministry. But so Richard, would you give us a little background? Jenny uh, started with talking about her background. I, I outed her as a PK, as a preacher's kid. So um, how did you grow up in terms of, were you in the church? What was prayer like for you as a kid? Would you just introduce us to that? Yeah, um, I was born to uh, two immigrant parents. Um, and that's important because as I was growing up, my mother and father typically were working, you know, leaving the house at 7 a.m., coming back home at around 9 p.m. So the majority, the vast majority of my childhood, my, my sister and I are, are pretty much at home by ourselves. And when we got older, we would go out um, and, and spend time with our friends in the neighborhood. But I remember when we were, when I got to be in middle school, um, our youth group uh, president at the time, she was a senior in high school, she calls me and she says, oh, hey, now that you're in youth group, we would love to see you on Friday nights. The problem is there's no one to give me a ride to church. And so we had um, these uh, uh, juniors and seniors that would go and pick up these middle school students. They would, we would have people come and give us rides. And it was one of the best times of my life as, as a person who, just didn't do anything at home to be able to go and, and spend time with peers and older brothers and sisters. I just loved my time at church. Well, quickly that became not just Friday nights with our youth, but it was Wednesdays with prayer ministry also. And um, even though we didn't have as many young people there, I remember my pastor who happened to live five minutes away, he would come and pick me up every Wednesday night for prayer. I We'd go and maybe you know, I grew up with prayer meetings on Wednesday nights of five, six, seven people, but I loved it because there was just nothing at home. Wow. And then quickly after that, um, we, you know, our church, they did, they did quite a few prayer meetings. It'd be Friday nights after youth group. There'd be a midnight prayer meeting. Um, there'd be Wednesday morning prayer meeting. I'd have, uh, luckily for me, my school started at 9.30 a.m. So we, I would go to 5.30 a.m. prayer meeting as a middle school student, high school student. Maybe there's two or three people there. So a lot of it as a young person, it was because of my personal life that there just wasn't a lot there. And I was just seeking, you know, places where 
I could go and I could spend time with people. And I just loved it. I lo- it, it carried into when I became a, co- uh, a college student, I started, uh, me and, and a, couple, uh, a few other individuals, we started morning prayer meetings at the University of Maryland. We would meet at the chapel at 5.30 a.m. College students would wake up. <clears throat> we go pray for an hour, then we go get breakfast. So all throughout college, as a young adult, we were doing prayer meetings. So, But it was it started at a very young age when I was 12 or 13. My, my family at that time um, wasn't strong believers. We went to church. Um, but this whole prayer thing started because there were people who reached out to me and, and invited me. So it was great. And that's, that's wonderful. Now, l- let me just say, I went to the University of Maryland as well. And the only praying I did most of those years was really, God, I didn't study as well as I could have. Could you help me get through this test? So it was a lot of that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known you. I'm, I'm too old to have been there when you were, but uh, man, I needed a prayer meeting. Um, so like Jenny was saying that, you know, she grew up in a predominantly Korean church. In fact, I think what you said, uh, Jenny, was your dad would pray, lead prayer at home in Korean. Now, it, is that your experience as, as well, Richard? Was it in a Korean church? Yes, I, I grew up in a, in a small Korean church. J- Jenny's church was actually a fairly large Korean uh, immigrant church. Mine was very small. Um, but ours was all in English. Um, okay. all, the, all the We were part of the English speaking ministry. So, yeah. And so let me just say this, because I, I, you know, I have no idea how many uh, uh, Koreans will be watching this, but I want to just say this, and we're going to just, we're just going to say it up front. Um, Koreans put all of us in the West to shame in terms of their prayer life and prayer practices. So I don't want any of you uh, white Americans or African Americans or any other Americans to be intimidated by the fact that we can't pray like these Koreans. That's not true. And uh, these folks have actually taught me a whole lot about prayer. And, uh, and so um, may, they may have had a better foundation in some respects than we, but I can tell you this, um, it, is, it is not just one particular uh, ethnic people that God wants to pray. He wants all of us to be praying. So anyway, I just wanted to, to say that, that uh, both of these folks, have, have, have you can, as you can hear, have had a rich prayer life even in their, their young years. That may not be your experience, but if you're still breathing, there is time to increase and multiply prayer in your life. Amen. So, okay. So Richard, I want to ask you, and, and I'll ask you this. I, I'm assuming Jenny had to take care of some kids stuff. So I'm going to ask you a family matter when she comes back. Sure. But right now, as you began to develop in your own life as a Christian and a follower of Jesus, were there certain turning points or certain places where prayer actually just became, you know, it took on a new life for you. And, and if so, would you say how that worked out? Yeah, it, there were, there were some significant, very significant moments. Um, and I, I'd like to, to kind of piggyback off what you were saying. There's definitely a heritage of prayer um, in the Korean church, um, a little less so in the Korean American church as we've, as uh, families have moved over here to America. Um, but with all that to say, most of the Korean churches that we go to, uh, the Korean American congregations that we know of, we're still talking of prayer meetings of five, six people. Wow. It's not when you go to the Korean, though it is, it is a there's a heritage, there, and though it's something that's part of our heritage, we're we're not we're not seeing you know you know even even a quarter or, or a third of our people praying a lot in a lot of churches. So it's still some a place. The place of prayer is still a neglected place for a lot of a lot of churches. This you know regardless of 
what you know, Koreans, Korean American, Chinese American, Western, whatever you're saying. Um, but there have been very pivotal moments um, in our lives. My wife and I, we were talking about this the last couple of days. We've been talking about prayer and 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 uh, the, the the different times in our lives where the Lord broke through. There was a season in our lives where, um, and, and the story is a little bit longer, so I won't go into all of the details, but. We were praying church. We had prayer meetings. Again, we had we were struggling with prayer. Uh, in fact, the church's name that I came from is called Hope, uh, but it was an acronym. It stood for House of Prayer for Everyone. Mm. Um, and so there was an emphasis, but we still it was difficult to to cultivate a church wide um, emphasis on prayer. But then, as we were praying and we were asking the Lord, Lord, we know how important prayer is. God, we at, we're asking you to do something um, in our congregation. The Lord did something amazing in the span of a few years. And, and, and it, it got progressively, you know, it was more than a few years, but there was an emphasis of a few years. The Lord started bringing people into our lives, into our church. We had no relationship to, to them prior. These were uh, men and women, uh, a lot of them based out of uh, the International House of Prayer, others who were based out of other organizations, but people who came and they started to give us a new understanding of prayer and people who modeled, modeled prayer, uh, people who in my life, who I consider a mentor, um, even though we didn't have a formal mentor-mentee relationship, but they really did disciple me and showed me, hey, Richard, you and Ginny, and there was a few others, you guys are supposed to lead in this thing, in this prayer movement. And they said, we want to spend time with you and show you. So we, they would invite us probably no, at, at least four or five times a year, we would meet either over here, over in Kansas City, wherever it was, and I just would spend time with them. And I would spend time with them as they would go to morning prayer each morning and spend an hour to two hours a day. They would spend time in the afternoon. It was like Daniel's, like they were, and they were not necessarily relate. They, they weren't part of the same organization, but different people in different areas that would come. And they showed me um, what a life of prayer looked like versus just praying whenever we had time or whenever it was scheduled. And so we were meeting with people who were making it their goal to pray five, six hours a day. Wow. Um, and that's a new under concept. And a lot of people would say that just seems like torture. That seems like death. We can't even pray for 15 minutes, but how do you go five, six hours? And it was in that time we found out that there was a huge shift in understanding, number one, a huge shift in the programming of how we, we do prayer versus how they did prayer. But the biggest the biggest um, uh, uh, takeaway, and I think this is the, the, the thing that shifted the paradigm for us was there's a real God that we are talking to. And with a real God, with a real personality, with a real will that we can engage with him. Mo prior to that, and this, all of this started happening right when I was leaving college. Prior to that, we were just kind of sending off prayers like, like emails to God, God, this is what we need. This is what we need to do. We're just sending it off. We're not expecting an answer, really. If we do, great. We're just, we just know we're supposed to be doing this. And we're just checking off boxes. We're just checking off attendances saying, hey, God, I'm coming once a week to pray. I'm coming two, three times a week to pray. That's what prayer was, basically. And I think still in, in the churches today, that's what prayer, prayer is kind of regarded as. But it was at that point that we started to understand and we started to see the fruits of it where people said, no, 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 there's really a God who are the lover of our souls that we are speaking to, we can give him an opportunity to speak 
back to us. Then that's the huge part about prayer was we can engage with them. David talked about all the rest of the days of his life. He wanted to inquire of the Lord. Mm. And so this inquiring of God, I, you, you know, I, in my prayer life, uh, there's the three things that we, we always tell people and three things that I always expect in prayer is number one, we expect the presence of God. It's not okay for us to pray and feel like there's no God in the room. Mm. We can't. And we, I remember a long time ago, the Lord, we felt like the Lord said to us, don't pray as if I'm not in the room. Don't oh. worship as if I'm not in the room. And so it was always look for the presence of God, look for the power of God and look for the perspective of God every time we meet in prayer. And it was during those times that we, we saw that there was a, a definite shift and where we started to get excited about prayer now, it was no longer just an activity, no longer an attendance, but we started to understand, hey, there really is a person The the Holy Spirit wasn't given to us. We weren't, the Lord didn't give us a spirit of, um, of abandonment, right? He said, I gave you the Holy Spirit, right? So that you don't have to be alone anymore, that we can have a conversation with, with God. It just gave us these pictures in the Old Testament of of uh, Joshua and Moses in the tent of meeting. What did they do there? They inquired of the Lord. What did Moses do when he went up on the, onto the mountain for the 10 commandments? He inquired, of the, he got a revelation. And the Lord had started to reveal to us that the pr place of prayer was a place of conversation. And very few people, especially us, we just, we didn't see it that way prior to that. But we started to meet with these mentors who said, no, 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 this is a, a place where you can meet God And you can walk away having been touched by God and having heard from God in the place of prayer. Man, okay, if, you, if any of you are feeling what I'm feeling, it's a little bit like uh, having a cup and a fire hose is coming at you. There's a lot of stuff. So I want to go back and, and unpack a couple of those things because there, there's gold in what was just shared. So let, let me just say, you, you said, and I want to make note of this. I don't want anybody to miss this. You said we went from... Um, and by the way, before I ask this question, put, put in context for everyone. Did you all meet in college? No, no. We no. met, uh, right? Well, I was still in college. Still in okay. college. I had just started working. I had just finished college. So okay. some of this transition, some of this transition happened before you met Jenny. Is that right? No, it happened right when we met, right, right, right at okay. that time. Uh, we're the same age. I was getting a second degree. But right at that, at that moment, it was right in those 10 years, 15 okay. years. Yeah. All right. So, so that's, that was key because I, I, I think there might be a lot of folks who long for this to be something they do as couples. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. But, um, but you, made, you said there was a shift that happened that I want to draw attention to. And, and I just want to make sure that, that we, we highlight this, a, a, a shift that happened from offering up prayers to a life of prayer. That was huge, what you just said there. And I think that most of us are practicing. So in terms of multiplying extraordinary prayer, that's what we're talking about. We're, going, we're talking about going from praying when we're in trouble or, or offering a few moments whenever we can, uh, almost as transitions. I, I was saying that to Jenny in worship. Sometimes it's just a transition between one thing and the next to actually a life of prayer, which Paul said, pray without ceasing. So I think he expected us to have a, a life of prayer. And then those three things that you just said, that, uh, that, you, that these mentors passed on to you, that always come and, and experience the presence of God. So in, I love that part that you said there um, about, and I want to take these apart a little bit. Um, don't pray as if God's not in the room. 
But there would be many people who would say, and there have been times in my life, actually, uh, I don't know if it has to do with my mood or not, where I feel like my prayers are kind of hitting off the ceiling and dropping back down. So let's just take those three things for a second. Uh, how have you both experienced uh, or, or fought the battle to experience the presence of God in your praying? Could you, either of you or both speak a little bit about that? Well, I think um, it's just like when you're with a friend, right? Or someone that you want to connect with. There's a desire for connection. And that desire, I think it still starts with the Lord. The Lord gives you the desire and then you respond to the desire. And so once you get into that place, even if maybe you are meeting with a friend and you don't instantly get right back on track, you kind of got to go through the pleasantries, but you stay there. You stay because you know that your hearts are going to connect at some point. So I think you're right, Pastor Kevin. And my daughter was just talking to me about this. She was a little bit frustrated. She was like, I feel like I'm praying, but it's just kind of going, flying away. And I don't, I don't hear anything. I said, I, I, I know, baby. And, you know, we could talk a lot about there's things in our minds that are distracting us. Sure. The Lord, and we kind of got to clear that out of the way. But I think that the most important thing is just stay, stay and expect because a good father doesn't ask his child to come and not show up. That's good. Right? And he is good. And so we've experienced that, but you can't experience it until you go there. Two, and two, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pastor. No, you, no, you go, you go. Two real quick things. Number one, um, I just wanted to say that I would say, I don't know, 50, 60, 70%. I don't know how to quantify this, but prayer is still difficult. Prayer, when you, when you get, and when I mean difficult, I'm not talking about we got to go out there and, and do crazy things, uh, jumping through hoops, but sitting still um, and praying is still something that we have to fight for. We have to go ahead and fight our, our feelings. I, it's not, we're, there are a lot of times where we want to pray, but there are a lot of times that, that we don't really want to pray. Um, also, but we know we, we should pray. We know we want, we need to pray. And so a couple of things, number one, I want to encourage people that whether you feel connected to God or not, weak prayers from a weak person in a weak time is still powerful in the kingdom of God. Mm. You know, we don't have to feel connected to God for our prayers to be fruitful because it's not prayer that is the answer um, to 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 the problems that we're having in the church, problems that we're having in the world. It's not prayer. It's God that is the answer. Prayer is just the mechanism in which we commute, communicate to a mighty God. So a lot of people say, my prayers are, are, are futile. My prayers are weak. I says, our weak prayers do unbelievable things to God's mighty heart. Mm. You know, And so there's no issues with that. But I, I do understand that for myself, especially, I do need to feel connected. Yeah. It's difficult for me to have extended time of prayer prayer if I don't feel like there is a connection between me and God. And that's why we, uh, the, the man there, you know, who, who really helped us in this journey of hope, journey of prayer, he said to us, he says, I'm going to give you advanced tools of prayer. And he taught us how to go ahead and feel more connected to God. It's hard for us to feel connected to God when we come to God and we start asking God to do many things in our lives. We, God, we need this. We need the tax bill to be paid. We need food on the table. By the way, those things are, are wonderful prayers never should feel guilty about going to a, a, a good father and asking him to provide. Um, but, you know, how do we go ahead and feel connected? He says, I'm going to show you uh, advanced tools, which is one of them is at Oakdale. We, we've been learning how to do this adoration prayer where we start to adore God 
of who he is outside of my little world, outside of my little heart. We adore God as a God who is the faithful God, the abundantly available God, the gentle God, the power. And we start to adore him. And all of a sudden, my heart comes into alignment with his. Or my favorite is the Thanksgiving prayer. I usually start with that. When I feel very dry and I don't feel like I'm connecting with the Lord, I'll start to say, Jesus, thank you that when I was a middle school lonely boy, you went ahead and brought these people in my life and invited me into the family of God. And very quickly, I made a decision for the Lord because of these people who invited me that they didn't know they were doing discipleship making, but they invited me. They went ahead and helped me, mentored me, loved me. I made a decision for the Lord. Thank you that you saw the needs of a sixth grader with all the needs in the world. Thank you that you brought a wife who is just altogether beautiful and altogether just wonderful. Thank you for these. And all of a sudden, when I start to think, I start to weep. I start to start to under the Lord and I start to come into a, a, an alignment. I said, now I can pray. That's now so I can go ahead. So there's advanced tools. We call them advanced tools, but there are tools that we can do in prayer to help us feel more connected and in line with God. But still there are times where prayer will be dry. And yet the Lord says, continue on, keep breaking through in prayer. Um, and it's, it's, it's been great for us. Well, so I, I that that is so good. And, and I'm experiencing that with, uh, with Richard and Jenny here. They, they, um, we always start our, our corporate prayer times with adoration or, or thanksgiving of some kind. And there is truth to that, that, that it begins, it's almost as if because we live in this world and God is, is invisible to us in the way that we're, we're, you know, he's not a person standing next to us, that we need to bring ourselves back into the reality of his presence by reminding ourselves of who he is. And, and uh, that is has proven very effective, I think, for us as they have been leading worship or prayer here. Um, and so that that adoration, that coming in, and Jesus, of course, included that in his pattern of prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be their name. He's, he starts with this idea that remember who you're talking to, get in his presence and remember his characteristics. He's, he's, a, he's a good God. He's a good father. So um, I think there's, you know, just amazing biblical pattern here that, that these folks are talking about. And they do it so wonderfully. I, I, if you, I hope that some of you will join us and just experience how they uh, are doing just amazing things. God's doing amazing things in that leadership. So there's the presence of God. Let's not pray as if God's not in the room. Let's not act like we're sending him an email. I think that's what I heard you say. I love that. Uh, and that means we've got to maybe slow down. There's a commitment to this. We've got to slow down and not just bring our, our to-do list to God and say, here it is, but to say, wait a minute. Before I speak to you, I just want to recognize again that you're my dad and who you really are. Love that. <music>